It's a joy to be here. I have my wife with me as well today, and uh, we have five children. And on Tuesdays, when a lot of kids are here, the naughty ones you see running through the hallways are probably a good chance they're Rain's children. So those would be ours. But uh, the Lord has allowed me to serve on staff at McQuanago Baptist Church since January of 2013. So in January will be 10 years. And uh, just real grateful and thankful for um, how the Lord has allowed me to serve there. I grew up at McQuanago Baptist Church. That's the only church I've known. And uh, just, it's been a real delight to serve alongside Pastor Roberts and to learn a lot from him and his experience. My parents, in the providence of God, moved to Wisconsin in 1978, the same year that the church was started. And I think it's just fascinating how the Lord works. But uh, Pastor Roberts saw a moving vehicle on, I think it was a Thursday, and he followed it. He saw the house that the, the van, the moving truck parked at. And he said, all right, I'm going to go back there. And a couple days later, it was Saturday, I believe, he pulled in. And he was with Rick Simonson, who you all know Aaron, I'm sure. And his dad had just gotten saved through our ministry. And uh, he was out sewing with Pastor Roberts. And uh, training. pastor was training him. Well, they came to my parents' house. And they uh, spent a couple hours there. My parents... They were Christians, uh, but needed a lot of growing to do. And they were, had some idea, though, of a good church and what they were looking for. And so they talked for a number of hours. And actually, that day, my dad had been going through the phone book trying to find a good church in the area. Well, my parents went to church that next day, Sunday, and uh, for the next 40 years, never missed hardly a service. And uh, just so really grateful for how God has uh, worked in our family. And that's been a huge factor in our home. And uh, my dad was just worked a regular job and stuff. But uh, the church was his life. And he was committed to that. That's what his life was about. And he worked to pay the bills and stuff. But that's what his life was about. And that made a huge impact on our lives as children. And just so grateful for his example as well as the opportunity to serve there at McQuanago Baptist Church. You can take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 22. And uh, for you college students, that's in the Old Testament. If you find 2 Kings, you can just go back one book. It is valuable to understand the significance of the role of the Old Testament prophet. The prophet was the man of God, whom God would use to deliver His message to His people. The prophet Jeremiah is one of my favorite, or just one that I really love and comes to mind at this point. I love those verses in the beginning, opening chapter of Jeremiah, where it says, Before I formed thee... And before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak." Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. That was the duty and job 
of a prophet. The work of a prophet was a very important and sacred work. The prophets were often sought out by leaders, kings. They wanted to seek them out and find out, is this what God wants us to do? They wanted to try to determine, is this what God wanted in a particular matter? And we'll see that here in our text today. We see them also crying out against sin and and seeking to draw God's people back into obedience and fellowship with God. And 2 Kings 17, 13, and 14 uh, encapsulates that. The ministry of the prophet, as we see in the Old Testament, of foretelling may not exist, no longer exists here in our day-to-day You know, we have the completed scriptures. They didn't have that. So God communicated in a different means uh, than what He does today. We have the scriptures, the completed scriptures. And God uses those. We have the Spirit of God that indwells us. Another important way that He communicates with us. But God knows we still need prophet preaching in our day. Those who will speak forth God's message. And this is really the message that I have and purpose of my message here today. Micaiah in 1 Kings 22 was a true prophet of the Lord. His commitment to truth and to God are unmistakable in his life of service. Well, the Bible only gives us small glimpses into his life and his work. These glimpses reveal significant truths about Micaiah but also the duties of the prophet of God. And that's my title message here this morning, The Duties of a True Prophet. In our text, we're not going to read all of this. Really, the whole chapter, uh, most of the chapter in chapter 22 deals with this account. And we don't have time to read through it and pick it all apart. But in verses 1 through 4, we see Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, coming and linking up with King Ahab which Ahab was a wicked man. And what a foolish mistake Jehoshaphat made. And Ahab, they want, he wants Jehoshaphat to come and, and go into battle with Ahab, and they were going to go fight a battle together. And, and Jeho- in verses 5 and 6, Jehoshaphat, uh, he thinks, maybe we should uh, get the prophets and inquire, is this really what you want, Lord? You know, he had maybe some sense of spirituality or sense of, of we need to seek the Lord. And uh, King Ahab brings in 400 false line prophets. And we see that later on in the passage. That's what they were. They they had a line spirit. And they were brought in. And the prophets, they all say the same thing. Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Now Jehoshaphat must have discerned that something was not right with these so-called prophets. Look at verse 7, because here we are introduced to Micaiah. I love these verses. In verse 7 it says, And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides? So you've brought these 400. Is there not a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? And here we are brought into Micaiah. In verse 7, Eight, it says, And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man. There is yet one man. As I've meditated on this message, that phrase has just struck me. 
There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten, hither Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And so, of course, Micaiah is sought. And verses 10, 11, and 12, we see the confidence of the 400 prophets. And they're all uh, in, in great confidence saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper. The Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. And they're all speaking the same message. The duties of a prophet, which we learn from the life of the prophet Micaiah, parallel the duties of every preacher today. Notice with me three duties of a true prophet from the life of Micaiah. First of all, we see the first duty of a true prophet is to disregard the pressure to fit in. Disregard the pressure to fit in. Look at verse 12 with me. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. Verse 13. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah, he's in prison, probably for speaking the truth. The messenger that went to go get him spake unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. Do you sense here this pressuring to fit in? All these other prophets, they were saying the same message. And what a shame it would be if Micaiah came along and said something different. That would just uh, disrupt the apple cart. No, you need to say the same message. And he's being pressured to fit in. There's, there's a very real battle that he is encountering here to try to fit in. And I'll tell you, it's not always easy to ignore the pressure to declare, to say what the people want to hear. Especially the king. Here he's coming to talk to the king. And there's a very real pressure that he is facing. You know, every one of us have a, a human aspect where we want to please others. We want them to think of us in a good way and a good, have good thoughts of us. Of course, when Micaiah's name came up to King Ahab, he only had evil thoughts. He didn't have anything good to say about Micaiah. So there's a very real human pressure that we face and that Micaiah was facing here. And really what we see here in Micaiah's day is, is the same here today. That enticement, that pressuring, that desire to fit in and to be relevant with what's going on around us. Uh, being relevant, being uh, accepted by what's going on and those around us. Uh, you've maybe heard the phrase cultural re relevance, but that idea of staying current with the trends or messages of the day. Doing or saying what the people want to hear. And we could maybe list what a number of those trends are today. And, and just from my perspective, there's uh, things I, that seem to be prevailing in Christianity today. Well, let's get rid of that old, boring music. 
you know, let's bring in something a little more exciting. Let's have a praise team. Let's get people up that can kind of help entertain and and uh, that will that will help. Let's not let's kind of break from the norm, the old pattern. Let's let's make church a little more casual. You know, we don't need to dress up. Uh, let's come comfortable. Let's you know come in our casual clothes. You know, these are some of the pressures that are very real today. You know, let's get rid of the pulpit. Let's have just a little nice stand to speak from. These are real pressures that we're facing even today. In verse 13, it says, Behold now the words of the prophets. Here these 400 prophets had been speaking. And in our day and age today, you know, maybe what's the, the word that everybody is hearing? What's the, all the popular preachers saying? You know, the tendency is going to be when you get older and you're out in ministry to listen to them and say, okay, I want to fit in. What are they saying? That's what I want to do. There's a pragmatic approach of determining what you do based on the success it's going to bring. Tell you what, it would have been a whole lot easier and better off for Micaiah, from a human standpoint, to, to say the same message. You know, maybe he wouldn't have gotten put back in prison. Maybe he would have been let go and said, hey, you said the right thing and, and now I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, you know, let you out of prison. I don't know what would happen, but there certainly would have been that pressure that he was facing. But instead of looking at Scripture, or what does God want me to say? In verse 13, I think there's just a real sober realization here that Micaiah is facing. One versus 400. One versus 400. You know what? Micaiah had to stand alone. Micaiah had to stand alone. He had to determine, am I going to fit into the pressure around me? Am I going to do what's popular? Am I going to do what everybody wants to hear? Or am I going to do what my job is? Faithfully delivering God's message. A prophet must get his message, must not get his message from others, the world or other Christians. It must be God's message. One faithful prophet, the commentator said, of the Lord was worth them all. Worldly men have in all ages been alike absurd in their views of religion. They would have the preacher fit his doctrine to the fashion of the times and the taste of the hearers, and yet to add, thus saith the Lord, to words that men would put into their mouths. They are ready to cry out against a man as rude and foolish, who refuses thus to try to secure his own interests and to deceive others. That's a powerful statement. You know, I can think of um, our, our church over the years, and I'm, no doubt, I know it's the same here at Falls Baptist Church, there have been many times where the temptation could have been and was if we change the message a little bit, if we just aren't so strong about being committed to God, you know, we could have a bigger church. We could have kept some people from leaving. You know, very real pressure. We have to disregard the pressure to fit in. And that's what Micaiah had to do. He had to disregard the pressure to fit in. Every preacher that will be true to his calling today must follow 
Micaiah's example and disregard the pressure to fit in. And whether you're a preacher or not, every Christian, I think, ought to have that same heart. You know, I'm not just going to try to fit in and do what everybody else is doing. There needs to be a commitment to the truth and to God's Word and to God's message. And that's what you're going to stand on. And we need that today in our day. A disregard for the pressure to fit in. So we see the duty of a true prophet was to disregard the pressure to fit in. But not only that, secondly, we see a duty of... The true prophet was to deliver God's message. Oh, I love verse 14. Here this messenger had sent, had gotten Micaiah. He was on his way and telling him what all the other prophets were saying, kind of bringing him up to speed. And look at verse 14. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that is. Will I speak? I've just been humbled as I've meditated on that. Thinking of Micaiah. In prison. Brought out to... Here was a chance to maybe get out of the predicament he was in. But his heart and his determination to deliver God's message was so clear. What the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. He sensed the divine stewardship that he had. As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I say, speak. Do you sense that responsibility of stewardship here? Micaiah realized, you know what? I'm a steward of the message that God is giving me. And I need to handle that properly. Micaiah wanted to be a good steward of the message that God had given him. Micaiah knew there was someone that he was accountable to. It wasn't the king. It wasn't King Ahab who had the power to kill him, who had the power to put him in prison. No, it was God that he was accountable to. And I love that resolve in his soul and his sensing of this divine stewardship, this responsibility that he has. He knew he was accountable to God. God was entrusting him with this message. And you know what? We need to really value that, especially if God's called you to preach or whatever role God might have for you, that's a sacred entrustment. God's message, handling the Word of God. A divine stewardship. I love uh, just a couple chapters before, this is, uh, Micaiah is uh, contemporary with Elijah. But in chapter 17, verse 1, just a few chapters earlier, uh, Elijah voices the same answer. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth. <coughs> there was somebody that he was accountable to. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. And there's a a great New Testament passage. We're going to tie that to here in a moment. Actually, we'll turn there right now. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And actually, I remember in college, in homiletics class, and I think some of you are in that right now, 
we were all assigned to preach um, from 2 Timothy chapter 4, the first four or five verses. And I remember having to preach it in Pastor Van Geldren's office. We had our homiletics class in there, and Pastor Van Geldren, and I think there was another uh, pastor there. But I remember having to preach this message. But I remember studying this and being struck with this fact, uh, verse 1. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Of course, that leads into preach the word. But the charge that uh, Paul is giving here to, pre- uh, to preach in light of the fact that this is before God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get that same sense with Elijah and Micaiah here. As they say, as the Lord liveth, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. We need to remember this divine stewardship that we have. In 1 Peter 4.11, we get the, there's the phrase, Let him speak as the oracles of God. His divinely inspired words are not his own, but God's. And as a steward, having them committed unto him, he ought so to speak. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says, To be put in trust with the gospel, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. And I trust that you young preacher boys, this is something that you get in your soul. You have to get it in your soul. This sense of divine stewardship before God Almighty. We also see a settled convincement in his soul. What the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. He wasn't hemming and hawing. He wasn't undecisive. He wasn't trying to figure out, okay, how can I say this in a way that's going to be the best for the situation? No, there was a convincement, a determination, a resolve in his soul. That will I speak. The prophet had made up his mind. It was settled in his soul, probably long before this point. He was going to deliver God's message. He doesn't alter it. To make it more appealing, he wanted to deliver God's message in its purest form, regardless of what the result was. On the way, the messenger who conducted Micaiah to the royal presence informed him of the tenor of the prophecies already given and recommended him to agree with the rest. No doubt from the kindly motive of seeing him released from imprisonment, but Micaiah inflexibly faithful to his divine mission as a prophet, announced his purpose to proclaim honestly whatever God should bid him. What a convincement. What a resolve. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. And I want us to see also the example of the Apostle Paul, I think, parallels this in so many ways. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 1, it says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Look at verse 3. For our exhortation was not of deceit, 
nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. Not of deceit. That's the idea of leading one astray. Leading one astray. In other words, maybe saying the message and and phrasing it in a way that uh, was going to be more appealing. Not of deceit, not of uncleanness. He had, uh, there were no impure motives that the Apostle Paul had in delivering the gospel. Nor in guile, that's the idea of a decoy, decoy to bait or snare, changing to make it more appealing. But look at verse 4. It says, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men but God, which trieth our hearts. I want to look at one other example in 1 Samuel. I love this example. And really you could phrase this as the making of a prophet. In 1 Samuel chapter 3. Of course, this is the passage where uh, he goes multiple times in the night to Eli. He thinks he's calling him. and um, He goes each time. And of course, Eli then says, you know what? I think God's talking to him. And in verse, 1 Samuel chapter 3, in verse 13, says, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever, that's Eli, for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever." Do you think a young man, Samuel, was real interested in delivering that message to Eli? I think that he had a lot of reserve. I mean, he was, probably had a lot of respect for Eli, but uh, probably some fear. Like, oh boy, do I really want to give this message to Eli? Look at verse 15. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son? And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. He's getting a good lesson here in being a prophet from Eli. And verse 18, and Samuel told him every whit. That's not uh, words we use every day. But uh, he told him everything. And hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good. Wow, what a powerful example of another prophet, Samuel. Who had that same convincement to deliver God's Message. I wonder here this morning, how committed are you to the truth? How committed are you to delivering God's message? It might be easy when you're at Baptist College of Ministry. I mean, the the pressure in, I'm sure, many ways is good to say the right thing, to preach the right thing. But what about, is that convincement in your soul so when you're out, from these walls, from these, uh, cla- the classroom, that you're going to be able to stand? That you're going to be a preacher who delivers God's message? 
A true prophet disregards the pressure to fit in. He delivers God's message. But thirdly, he defies the presence of fear. He defies the presence of fear. Look at verse 8. And the king of Israel, in our, back in our text, 1 Kings 22, verse 8. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Obviously, this was not Micaiah's first dealing with King Ahab. He knew the messages that Micaiah would deliver. If Micaiah was called, he knew what Micaiah would say. He knew the message. And uh, here he was, the king, seeking for, uh, and he eventually called for Micaiah. And certainly there was a lot of potential for Micaiah to fear what was going to happen if he spoke the truth. He was the king. He could have killed him. He could have let him go out of prison. He could have put him back in prison. He could have tortured, persecuted, starved him to death, whatever it was. It's an interesting uh, going on from where we've read so far to see how this uh, scenario plays out. And we're going to look at a few of these verses. But on being asked by the king, the prophet gave precisely the same answer as the previous oracles that had been consulted. But it must have been given in a sarcastic tone and an ironical mockery of their way of speaking. And we see that. Look at verse 15. So he came to the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered, Go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? And he said, And then Micaiah, he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee? that he would prophesy no good concerning me, but evil. Uh, Micaiah, obviously because he was pressured to say the same message, he knew that's what the king wanted to hear. He must have in some sarcastic way or in an ironic, mocking way said, yes, go up and prosper. And you, know, you can tell Ahab knew he wasn't speaking the truth. He knew he was mocking him. And in verse 17, he tells him the truth. And um, he gives this picture. I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And um, a little bit later in the passage, we see Micaiah's words coming to pass. Ahab killed in the battle. And uh, it was not God's plan and will for them to go up to battle. And Ahab is killed. And we'll read a couple verses here in a moment. But Micaiah spoke the truth. He was a faithful prophet. But he defied fear, the presence of fear. The fear of man. What's King Ahab going to do to me? What's he going to do to me next? <laughs> the 400 prophets. And it's interesting, verse 24 um, 
But Zedekiah, one of the false prophets, the son of Chenoa, went near and smote Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from, thee, from me to speak unto thee? So here, the, the fear of the other prophets, what they're going to do to him, <clears throat> going against what all of them were saying. Micaiah, no doubt, knew giving God's message was, would not be favorable for him. But you know what? There was someone who Micaiah feared more than the king, and that was God. And I've referenced that already. But this fear of man. And you know, we're going to face that in our day too. What, is, what are other people going to say about me? If I stay faithful to God, if I preach the truth, if I stand for what's right, what are others going to say? How are they going to mock me? Fear of man. Fear of the consequences of speaking the truth. For Micaiah, it was back to prison. It was back to prison. Look at verse 26. And the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and carry him back unto Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And say, Thus saith the king, <clears throat> Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and with the water of affliction until I come in peace. Micaiah continues his boldness and he says, If thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, O people, every one of you. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah went up to Ramoth Gilead. Imprisonment, back to prison. He did not fear the consequences of his decision for speaking the truth. We see the king refused the warning of Micaiah's message. Didn't matter. Micaiah had done his job. He was a faithful prophet and delivering God's message. You know, we can't make people listen to us. And if you're a pastor someday or on the mission field, you'll understand, you know, it's, and maybe you're working with people and discipling them. You, you wish you could just force them to listen to you and do what you're telling them. You know it's what they need to do. You know this is uh, the next decision that they need to make. But you know what? We can't force people. We cannot make people listen to us. They, they will maybe hear us, but they might not listen. And regardless, we must speak the truth. And someday our message will be validated as it was with Micaiah in verse 34. They went into battle, and a certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Wherefore he said unto the driver of his chariot, Turn thine hand, and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was stayed up in his chariot against the Syrians, and died at even. And the blood ran out of the wound into the midst of the chariot. And here's Micaiah's prophecy coming true or him foretelling what's going to happen. And there went a proclamation throughout the hosts about the going down of the sun, saying, every man to his city and every man to his own country. So the king died in verse 37. We see who spoke the truth. Micaiah. You know what? As we think about and apply this truth to our lives, you know, as I was thinking about this, what an important message and lesson, 
truth for a ministry school. Baptist College of Ministry. That's what it's all about. And if we don't have this passion, this commitment to the truth like Micaiah, you know, that's going to be a sad thing. That's a very sad thing. We need preachers who will stand up like Micaiah and deliver God's message. Who aren't succumb to the pressure to fit in. Who are more concerned about delivering God's message. And not afraid of, of what everybody else around them is going to say. And may God give us men like Micaiah that have that heart, that passion in this day. That is what we need today in our day. The Laodicean churches of our day have unashamedly tailored their ministries after the desires of men. Preachers tailoring their messages to be what people want to hear. Let's look uh, at a final passage where we were earlier, but 2 Timothy chapter 4. We read verse 1, I charge thee, and that leads right into verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Out of season. When it's popular, when it's not. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And look at verse 3 and 4. For the time will come. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That's when we need Micaiahs to stand up. That's when we need prophet preachers who will declare and deliver God's message. Instead of getting our message in cues from the world, we need preachers who will challenge this generation to follow God, who will not change the message, who will be committed to the truth, who are unashamed to preach the word and deliver God's message.